We are continuing today our study through 2 Thessalonians, and we come today to chapter 2 and the paragraph beginning with verse 13. Paul has just written some of the most sobering truths of the scripture. We studied them last week in those first 12 verses of this chapter. He talked about the, the apostasy that was going to come, the, the rise of the Antichrist, and the rise of deception on this earth. And he warns us that if we don't love the truth of God, we will believe the lie of the devil. But then he pivots in verse 13. But we ought always to thank God for you. Paul was really good at pivoting, at, at finding the silver lining in every cloud. I don't know about you, but I need help with that a lot of times in my life. Uh, it's kind of like behind every silver lining, there's a cloud. But we need, like Paul, he says, look, yes, it's, it's, it's going to be bad and deception is coming, but we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. If that first phrase sounds familiar, we ought always to thank God for you. It's because he used it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. We ought always to thank God for you. And I mentioned when we were in that verse, and I will repeat it in this verse, that I think it's an instruction for us that as we pray for ourselves, as we pray for the people that we pray for, as we pray, God, you know, help them in this and make sure they're doing this right, and Lord, help me in this area and help me in that area, we also should remember to thank God for what he's already done. That's what Paul is saying. I'm praying this for you, but while I'm praying this for you, I'm also thanking God for what he's already done and is doing in your life. And I think our prayers would be more encouraging, if that's the right word, if in the midst of our prayers that we say, oh God, I really need help working on this and I need help working on this, if we also spend some time saying, God, thank you, that I'm doing better here, you know, and thank you that I'm doing better here, and, and I'm not where I want to be, but I'm sure not where I used to be, and I want to thank you for that. So that's what he's saying, Lord, thank God for what he's already done in the lives of those people. And so as I break down this prayer of Paul for the Thessalonian believers, and I believe for us as well, it seems to fall into two main sections. Our responsibilities as followers of Christ. And then secondly, what we need from God to be able to fulfill those responsibilities. Because let's face it, we cannot do what we need to do for God without help from him. So first, let's look at our responsibilities as a follower of Christ as we entitle this, Staying Strong for God 
in tough times. Our responsibility is in verse 15. And in a nutshell, is it is to stay spiritually stable. Now, you may remember we began last Sunday's lesson, and you can find that online easily, that Paul said, don't be easily unsettled or shaken and alarmed. Don't be afraid. And he's telling us here, our responsibility is stay spiritually stable. Don't get frightened. Don't get shaken. Don't get unsettled. Stay spiritually stable. And he further defines spiritual stability in those two phrases, stand firm and hold fast. Stand firm means to be persistent and unmovable in your position. It's the old song, I shall not be moved. I don't know if you ever heard that song, but it's like, Jesus is my Savior, I shall not be moved. That's standing firm, being persistent, being unmovable in your position. It's as if Paul is saying, yes, you're going through pressure and you're going through persecution. And as we get closer to the end of time, that pressure and persecution will increase. But you stand firm. Yes, the spirit of Antichrist is already at work, but you stand firm. Yes, people are being deceived. You stand firm. And it's in the verb tense that it could be translated, keep standing firm. In other words, this is not a, oh, I stood firm yesterday, I'm good for the rest. No, it is a continuous, persistent process. Keep standing firm. And then he says, hold fast to the teachings we gave you. This word is a fascinating word. It means to have a masterful grip on something. To just be able to hold on to it because you have a masterful grip on it. Now, there may be some things in your life that you have a masterful grip on. A skill set. Uh, some knowledge, some things that you know how to do. You're, you're, you're masterful at it. You've got a masterful grip on it. Paul says, our responsibility in these last days is to have a masterful grip on the teachings of the Word of God. He said, you have been taught these, hold on to them. Stand firm, hold on. Because it is only the anchor of God's word that will enable us to stand fast and hold fast when deception and persecution comes. Somebody said you put these two phrases together, stand firm, hold fast, and they, they talked about somebody trying to maintain their balance in the middle of a storm. And, and I thought about, you know, when you watch the Weather Channel in the middle of a hurricane. I don't know what there is about the DNA of the people that work on the Weather Channel that believe they have to get out in the middle of everything to, to show you how bad it is. But every once in a while, what you have is you see somebody trying to hold their feet onto the ground, and then they're holding on to you know a hotel railing or something like that. And, and they're hoping that that railing is going to hold them. And they're doing their best to keep their feet solidly on the ground 
and they're holding on for dear life. And that's the picture Paul is giving us here. In the storms of life, you make sure that your feet are solidly based on the anchor of the Word of God and that you are holding on to the teachings of the Word of God. Don't lose your grip on the truth. Hang on for dear life. And again, the verb tense is indicated. You just keep doing it. This is not a five-minute little windstorm. This is something that's going to be there a while. You hang on and keep hanging on. I think that's an instructive illustration for us as we think about how do we navigate these last days and the coming deception and all of these things is you stay connected to the Word of God. That's why we sang the songs we did this morning. Be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Make sure that you're holding on to Jesus. Make sure that that's your hope and stay. My question is to me, and each of us, do we have a masterful grip on the truth? Do we know the truth? Do we know what we believe? Do we know why we believe it? It's going to be essential to stay away from the deception of the, of the spirit of the Antichrist is to have a masterful grip on the scripture and then stand firm and hold fast to it. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. So I encourage you, hang on to the scriptures. Spend some extra time in the word. Make sure you know what you believe and why you believe it so that you can be spiritually stable in the midst of the deception of the last days. But as I mentioned earlier, we cannot do this by ourselves. We need help from God in order to stay strong. We can't do it in our own strength, but his strength is available to us. And Paul outlines in these verses several things that we need from God so that we can stand strong. The first is the assurance of our salvation. In verse 13, he says, we ought to thank God for you because God chose you. Verse 14, he called you to this through our gospel. God chose us. We need to have the assurance of our salvation. Now, whom did he choose? This takes us back to the lesson from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, where Paul says again, he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not just with words but with power, the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. In other words, Paul is saying, we know you were chosen because you responded to the gospel. Now let me take a couple of minutes here and, and, and talk about this because there are some who teach that God has chosen certain people to be saved it's called a limited atonement, that he only died for certain people, and that by default, then there are certain people that are just never going to be saved. And there's nothing you can do to change that. Well, I don't find that teaching anywhere in the scripture. It's 
fairly popular, but I don't find it in the scripture. You study the context of the verses they use, and, and you kind of realize it's not really what it's talking about. What I do find in the scripture is Joel 2.32. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know John 3.16, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know Acts 2.21, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 2 Peter 3.9, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. Somebody put it this way, you are a whosoever. And that's good news. You are a whosoever. Christ died for you. And if we will respond to his message, if we will say yes to his call on our lives, we've become chosen. We become chosen based on our response to the truth. And the act of responding in faith puts you in the class of being chosen. And if you want to read more uh, in this area, Robert Shank has written an excellent book called Elect in the Sun that I encourage you to, uh, to look at. You can find it online and read that if you're interested in it. But what did God choose us for? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. He chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. Romans 8, verse 29. We were chosen to be conformed to the image of his son. We, when we accept Christ, we are chosen to be like him. We are chosen to be like Christ. And if we're going to stand firm in times like these, we need that assurance of our salvation. We need to know I have put my faith in Christ. I know that I have, and I ask him to forgive my sins and I know that he did, and I have the assurance of my salvation. The second thing we need from him is his transforming work. He said he chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. We talked about sanctification a couple of weeks ago, and I told you then that I think one of the most succinct definitions of sanctification is that it is the process of, of the growth of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Sanctification is the process of the fruit of the Spirit growing and maturing in our lives, which makes us more and more like Christ. Just as fruit grows and matures, so does the character of Christ grow and mature in our lives. And sanctification is us becoming more and more like Christ in every area of our life. And if you want more uh, detail on that, find the August 14, 2022 sermon that's called Sanctification, What's That? There'll be a link in the comment or description section to the August 14th sermon, Sanctification, What's That? When we go into this in more detail. 
But the bottom line is, it's becoming more and more like Christ. And we need that. We need his transforming work. And he says it comes through belief in the truth. And the word belief here doesn't just mean, oh yeah, I believe that. It means I'm obeying it. Faith in the scripture always has with it the idea of obedience. It's not just hearing the word, it's doing the word. Belief in the truth and doing what the truth says to do. The third thing we need from him, if we're going to stand strong in these tough days, is we need to be aware of his love. It hit me in verse 13. He says, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. In verse 16, the Lord Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us encouragement and hope. We need to be aware of God's love. I think a lot of times we're afraid to talk about God's love because we're afraid if we talk about God's love that somehow we think people are going to think that they can just live however they want to. No, that's not God's love. God's love is a holy love. But he loves us. And if we're going to make it in these days, we need to be absolutely overwhelmed by the love of God. And, and I pray that you pray for yourself that very thing. God, help me to become more aware of your love for me. I heard Rick Warren tell a story of a, of a man who was struggling in his faith. And he, he was talking to Rick and he said, I guess my problem is I just don't love God enough. And Pastor Rick said to him, no. Your problem is you don't understand how much God loves you. I think that's right. A lot of the struggles we have in our life, it's not because we don't love God enough, it's because we're not keenly aware of how much He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. And I pray that each of us in our lives would become more and more aware of God's love. The little ways he shows his love, the big ways he shows his love. God, help me be aware of your love. It will keep you encouraged. It will keep you strengthened as you are aware of how much God loves you. And that flows right into being encouraged by him. It kind of hit me that in verse 16, he talks about, eternal encouragement and in verse 17 he prays that he would encourage our hearts he mentions it twice and it's the same root word it has with it the idea of comfort and it has with it the idea of encouragement if we're going to stand strong for God in these times we need his comfort and we need his encouragement and we need it every day and the words that Paul uses indicates that he's saying God will give you encouragement for today and he will give you eternal encouragement. How 
have you ever had somebody give you an encouraging word and he thought, I'm going to be able to live off of this for a long time. And about 45 minutes later, you were discouraged again, you know, because sometimes earthly encouragement doesn't last very long. But the encouragement that God gives us, may he give us eternal encouragement. He is the God of all comfort, and only his encouragement is eternal. And God will give you the encouragement you need for today. He will give you the encouragement you need for tomorrow. And you know that word means to put courage into. God will give us the strength that we need day by day. Which leads to the next thing he says. He has given us good hope. We need to experience his hope. Are, are you getting what Paul is saying here? To stand firm, to be spiritually stable, we need to make sure of our relationship with Christ. We need to know that our sins are forgiven. We need to know that he's working to make us more like Christ. We need to be overwhelmed by his love and encouraged by him and strengthened by his hope. Hope is closely related to faith, but hope is more directed toward the future. It's faith toward the future. It's that full assurance God is going to do good. It is confidence in his help. It is the expectation God is going to keep his word. I can put my roots down on the word of God because God is going to keep his word. His word is truth. He's going to keep his word. What did Jesus say? Heaven and earth may pass away. My word will never pass away. And so when you have that hope, it gives you stability. It helps keep you steady. It helps keep you certain because you know God is going to work it all out. And, and we've been talking about that through this series, through First and Second Thessalonians. It's like a repeated theme. God's going to work it out. He has the last word. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord, and he will reign forever and ever. We can experience that hope and experience his strength. May he encourage your hearts and strengthen you. And that's word mean means what you think it means. It means to, to, to fix something so that you can hang on to it, to have the strength to stay strong. And God gives us that strength. See, it's not our strength. It's not our hope. It's not our encouragement. It's his. And as he encourages us, and as he strengthens us, and as he gives us hope, we are able to stand strong for him. And it was interesting that he says, may he strengthen you in every good deed and word. I studied that word deed and found out it was a business word. It's a word for business. It's a word for employment. It's a word for the responsibilities of life. If you study church history, you know there was a period of time when a lot of the Christian leaders just kind of isolated themselves from the world and they went out and lived in monasteries apart from the world and you know as the world gets more and more evil I, I think I understand the appeal of that 
But that's not what God calls us to do. What God calls us to do is to stay firm for him in the midst of the daily responsibilities of our life. It is God's strength that helps us keep on keeping on. It is God's strength that enables us to keep fulfilling our responsibilities as the salt of the earth, as the light of the world, as providers, as doing what God placed us here to do. May God strengthen you in every good deed. The work that you do, may he strengthen you for it and in word. And that hit me. And my mind went to a verse that just overwhelmed me the first time I heard it taught. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. Paul says, may God strengthen your every word. I think what he's saying there is words are so powerful. God strengthen our words so that as we speak our words, they bring strength to others. We've all lived long enough to know the power of words and how the wrong words said at the wrong time can mess us up literally for decades. And we're still trying to get over. Somebody told us we weren't worth anything or we aren't any good or we never do anything right. And we're still trying to get over that sometimes. Paul says, may God strengthen your words. May he give you the words that strengthen others. May he give you the words that encourage others. This is how you stay strong. Part of how you stay strong is being involved in the lives of other people and ministering the grace and love of God to them. But the goal of it all, don't miss verse 14. He called you to this through our gospel so that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's another repetitive theme Paul uses. Sharing in the glory of God. Romans 8, 17, if we share in his sufferings, we will share in his glory. And that word share there in verse 14, might share in the glory of our Lord, actually means to possess it. So what he is saying is, as we become more like Christ through his transforming power, as we stay obedient to him, we will possess more and more of the glory of God. As we are transformed into his likeness, we become more and more like Christ. And we will share in his glory. So John could say in 1 John chapter 3, Beloved, now we are the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when Christ shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And we will share in the glory of God. See, again, it's not about us. It's about Him. As we stand strong for God in tough times, we bring glory to Him. And as He changes us more and more like Him, we share in that glory. 
and reflect that glory to the world around us. I don't know how it's all going to work, but that's an incredible promise that we will share in His glory. I, I mentioned to you this uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were studying the passage on persecution where Paul says we will be glorified in Him. That, that the greatest glory that Christ ever receives is from His children becoming more and more like Him. And so I pray these verses as a blessing over you today. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, may he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for coming out today. Thanks for tuning in. You're dismissed.